not unique to Family Bible Church, but it's unique to these gatherings of people who, who know Christ. And I told these guys earlier, but it's really such a blessing that they can step up here and do these things week after week. And as you've seen this morning, Dan Burns is not here. And, but, you know, God has so many gifted people that he just pulls, pulls in and, and uses for his glory. And so I just say praise God for them sharing their gifts with us this morning. The couple of lead guys here, Perrin and Matthew, uh, are from uh, Greenville College. You guys probably know that. But... Praise God they came and shared their gifts with us this morning and helped Dan out in that way. So, well, this morning is Valentine's Day. You know, I was talking to Carol right before service, Carol Elke, who, I'm feeling a little hot here on this. I don't know if I'm, am I good? Okay, Rick says I'm all right. Um, but uh, it's been kind of a crazy weekend, you know, and what's perspective for me, it throws me off is, it's, it's, you go from the Super Bowl Sunday to Valentine's Sunday, which... What's up? Allie gets it. <laughs> she just told me, she's just like, Mom, right in the middle of that song, she's like, Mom, she's pulling on me, and she's like, I get it. And I'm like, get what? And she's like, I get it. And I'm like, this is so exciting. This is like my happiest day, and I just had to share that with you. It's Praise like, God. Valentine's Day present ever. And I'm shaking. <laughs> Amen. So I just had to share that with everybody. Praise God. <laughs> Come on, y'all. Woo. <laughs> <laughs> Do you want to pray? Do you want to lead us I in do. prayer? Yeah, let's pray. Dear God, we know that you love us. Wow. And we are just so thankful that you brought Allie to yes, you. Lord. You laid it on her heart, all your love, and you just, you just blessed her with all those, all those wonderful blessings that you have given all of us. We pray, Lord, that you continue to bless Allie and give yeah. her. Uh, the gifts to share this, mm -hmm. this understanding with others. All right, we're finished. Praise God. Whew, so let's get into it. <laughs> because what's so cool about God is that uh, he's a promise keeper. We've been talking about that. And, um, you know, on, this, on this, this day where we wait for God to fulfill promises, he does it. And that's um, unbelievable. Unbelievable. You know, honestly, I just want to get right into the word. Uh, because <laughs> that's what we're talking about as a church. So let's pray and open the scriptures together this morning. Father God, we give you praise and glory for the great work you're doing. You are God alone. We confess that. And you are moving in the ways that you see fit. And we confess that's the truth. We trust you with everything. We pray this morning as we get into your word that you would open our minds and hearts to the truth of the gospel of love you have for us. And that we could live that together in such a way that we do impart it to each other. And Father, we, we don't fully understand the way you work, but we know you're working in our lives. And we give you praise and glory for leading us forward. And this time in your word, I pray you would do your work amongst your people. We ask these things in the holy and righteous name of Jesus. Amen. So we're going to jump in here. This, 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 talk, this thought today, I guess, the sermon today is about uh, being the church. We're going to look at this passage of scripture. It's found in Matthew. And uh, I'm going to go ahead and push ahead here and let you pull that up in your Bible. Matthew 28. 
It's verses 16 through 20. We're going to read this together this morning. That longing that we have in our lives for love, that longing that we have for acceptance, that's a God-ordained gift. And I think that today, of any day of, of the year maybe, we experience that in Valentine's Day where we, we want so much to be chosen, we want so much to be told that we're loved, that someone really cares about us. And on a day like today, God is making his heart known to his children. What a glorious thing. And so I just want to read this together. It's Matthew 28. Starting in verse 16. Listen to the scriptures this morning with me. Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. And when they saw him, they worshipped him. But some doubted. And then Jesus came to them and he said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me, and therefore, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that I've commanded them. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. And you know, if you've been in church for a while, if you've been around church for a while, you know that this has got a few names, and one of them is the Great Commission. This is this time that Jesus comes and he, he commissions his disciples to go into the world and make disciples. I want to remind all of you that to be a disciple of Jesus doesn't mean that you're perfect. doesn't mean you have all the answers. It doesn't mean you figured it out. It means you're willing to learn. You're willing to listen. You're willing to follow. When Jesus got together with those 12 guys, and you know, that's something else I want to talk about today. We have this idea of, of ministry as being these grand things. And you know, Jesus himself took 12 guys. Now, he ministered to thousands of people and millions throughout the history. But he started with those 12 guys, and he poured himself into them, discipling them in his ways. And in, in, in his life, he invited them in. We talked about family groups earlier, and he, he, he revealed his life to them, how I live, how I am, who I am, and whose you are. And in those ways, he made these disciples. But at the end here, we hear him talking to the 11 disciples, and he gives them this thing to do. And I just want to talk about it for a few minutes this morning, about what we're called to do as a church. You'll remember that we've talked over the last several weeks about the promises that God makes to us and, you know, I'll even, I'll even say with what, Allie, what happened with Allie this morning and her decision to follow Christ and, and his movement in her life and her response to God, it, it, it's, it's not about Allie. It's, it's about God. I mean, it's not about me. It's about God. It's not about you. It's about God and how he moves in the hearts of his people to draw them back to him. And so Jesus takes these disciples that he had poured so much into and he begins to teach them this, this job, this calling that they have. This text is the very end of the book of Matthew, as you can see, but it's also well known in the church because it's what the foundation of every Christian's life should be about and the foundation of every church should be about. is going and making disciples. There was a guy recently who wrote about church, church life these days and, and what's going on, and, and he titled his, his article, The Great Omission. The Great Omission. Because we've come to believe that church is something it's not. We've come to believe it's about what makes me happy or what feels good to me or what I like or, or, or the, the type of songs I want to hear or the sermons I want to hear or, or, or the things that I need in my life or I want for my life. And the truth is that it's about God. That's what our time here is about. 
And so this command that Jesus gives to his disciples is critical. And I just want to step through it real quickly with you. And the first is this. In verse 19, Jesus says, Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. And what's really funny about this word, making disciples, is you can't make a disciple unless you are a disciple. You can't, you can't teach someone to be a learner unless you are willing to learn yourself. It's not possible. You can't make a disciple if you have all the answers because that means you're God and your disciple is, the disciple you're making is of your own and not of God himself. The word actually means the same thing. The word make disciples is a verb. There's not two words there. There's one. And it's the same root word as when Jesus says he gathers his 11 disciples together. The noun and the verb are the same. It's the same word. It's this process of living with Jesus that changes our life. You know, the truth is, I'm heartbroken for the church in so many ways. And I've been trying to say that for a long time. Because we think that the church is somebody else, not us. We think that someone else is to do the work, not us. And I hear it in conversations that I have with you all about what God is doing in other people and not in you. How God is using other people and not you. But you're the church. If you believe in Jesus, you are the church. If you are a disciple of his, you are part of this movement to make disciples of all nations. And so we go and we make disciples, and it's just that simple. It's just going, and you know what? It takes some honesty that's really hard about not having it figured out. It takes a crazy journey, a courageous journey, to admit that you don't have all the answers, but you know the one who does. And you are steadily, we sang it, at his feet. The second part of this great commission is to baptize in the name. And I want to spend just a minute talking about it today. And we're going to have, God willing, a service coming up where you can be baptized. And baptism for us as the church of Jesus Christ is a lot like communion is. It's sacred. It's holy. It's unbelievably powerful. It will change your life. We've talked about Jesus' own baptism. And yet, in so many ways, it's about getting in some water and getting dipped. It's, it's about getting wet in this tangible way, but there's something that's happening in the sacrament of baptism that changes your life in Christ. But rather than talk so much about the baptizing, we've talked about that before. That remember, dipping, repeatedly dipping people, immersing people. I want to talk today about in the name about who we're about as the church of Jesus Christ. And I don't just mean family Bible church. I mean the Big C Church. The Big C Church is all about Jesus and making disciples in his name, but in this name of God the Father. And it says, look at your text, it says, baptize in the name of the Father and the name of the Son and the name of the Holy Spirit. Our triune God present there in this act of baptism. It's this continual immersion in the triune God that we worship, that we pour ourselves out to. But this word in the name doesn't quite sum it up. 
because this name has power. This name is unbelievably unexplainable. This name allows us to be off the hook a little bit whenever we take someone who is confessing to be a follower of Jesus, who's made a decision in their heart to seek to learn from Jesus in his ways, and we dip them in water. It doesn't matter if it's in a backyard in a swimming pool, if it's at the rec center, if it's at a church, and one of those high things that the light turns on and the choir sings, it doesn't matter because it's the act of faith in the heart that is a confession over the name of God. If we could only baptize each other in the name of the God who loves us repeatedly, that's what the church should be doing. The church should be about those who know Christ sharing it with someone else that doesn't. Sharing it with someone else who, who, who's starting to get it but is not quite there and then looking ahead to someone else who is further down the road and trusting them to baptize you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit to continually immerse ourselves in his work. I'm talking to you now as one who is following with you. He's the God of all creation. And all he is doing is using the willing. That's all he's doing. If you're willing, he'll use you. And we go about baptizing in the name of Jesus, in the name of the Father, in the name of the Holy Spirit, and we find this new life in Christ. And by the way, we sang that song, Unstoppable, Unshakable. I want to say that you begin this journey with this point of decision. We talked about it last week, but you know it doesn't stop. The God that we follow is relentless with us. That means a few things for us. It means we won't get off easy. It means he won't pull punches with us because he loves us too much. It means he won't let the things in the past lie in the past and he won't let the future be arbitrary. He has a plan. He has spoken over you. And he will relentlessly disciple us and form us and shape us and we can kick and scream all we want. But if we are confessing Jesus as Savior, he will have his way in our lives. And that's what we're going to talk about today is eternity with God. The third thing in this great commission that we are to do is to teach one another to obey everything that Jesus commanded. That's what he says to his disciples. He says, teach them to obey everything that I commanded you. I'm not sure we do a good job of that. You know, my fear is that we too often just turn, turn away from things where we see someone who is confessing Christ to not be obedient. We, we let each other down. We, we, we say it's in love, but it's not. Because love is never apathetic towards what's happening to a brother or sister. That's never love. We should be holding each other up. I want to remind you the things that Jesus commanded. He says, teach everything that I commanded you. And I did a little... I did a little digging in scripture to find out and the only place that I can find that Jesus commanded himself where he said this is what you are to do is to find the gospel of John where he says love one another. Teach them to what I commanded. You know, many of us will break out this Bible and we'll get back here and we'll dig around and we'll find the rules. Jesus' command was to love one another and that's the church. That's the mission of the church. 
to love one another. There's another place in Scripture, though, and we, we talk about a lot at Family Bible Church, and it's this. He says, what's the greatest commandment? He affirms the greatest commandments of God. Love God with all your heart, mind, strength, and soul, and love your neighbor as yourself. Paul says it when he writes to Corinthians. He says the greatest act of all is love. The greatest thing we can have is love. These are the commands that the disciples sought to follow in this great commandment. Loving God and loving others. But I want to pull out a little bit on this text because I want to talk to you about why we can have confidence. Why we can have confidence in the days that are coming. Why we can know what the work that's lying ahead and it's this. I want you to look in verse, well, go back to verse 16 with me. It says this, it says, Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. And my question was, well, who is supposed to do this work? And you know, we've seen it this morning already. Who is supposed to do the work? They were already being obedient just to that little step, that little step of faith. They just went to the mountain and waited. They didn't know what was going to happen next. They're going to see what, what this Jesus that they've been following is going to do. But look at verse 17. It says, when they, when they saw him, they worshipped him. They worshipped Jesus. And that's what we're called to do as well. I want to remind you of where we are in Scripture. This God that they had been following for three years, this, this rabbi, I should say, they've been following for three years in Jesus. A few of them had seen it. We heard him tell the woman at the well last week that I am he, I am the Christ. Peter confessed that you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. This one that they thought that they knew so well had been dead, gone, history. And he shows up in their life. This is no one else but the Christ manifest before their eyes. I'm saying that he is the resurrection and the life. He is the one that the Testament had been about. The first promises had been about. And when Jesus walks up on this mountain where he said, meet me there, disciples. Show up there, disciples. I have work for you, disciples. Come and see me, disciples. When he walks into the hill, they see him. And I want you to see that the first group of people worship him. They fall down at his feet. They can't believe it. He's alive. Peter, the one who said, you're the Christ, still can't believe it. Today, we find ourselves in the same boat when he moves in people's lives. Some worshiped. So this command is for those who worship God. This command is for those who get the resurrection. This command is for those who know Jesus and know what he's about and understand what he's doing in the world. This command to go and make disciples is for the rest of our eternity, the rest of our lives in Jesus. But I want you to look ahead with me what it says next. It says this, but some doubted. And I don't know how you read that, but I have a tendency myself to read that like I'm spitting the words out of my mouth, you know. I read that like, uh, but some doubted. Wait a minute, who? Look at the text. It says, the 11 went to Galilee, to the mountain that Jesus told him to go. These 11 men, Judas is gone. The betrayer is gone. And of these 11 men who were left, only some worshipped and some doubted. What does it mean to be a disciple of Jesus? 
Does it mean you rubber stamp everything that says Jesus? Does it mean you just absolutely get everything and you have all the answers? It says right here in the text, some worshipped and some doubted. And this is only significant for this very reason, because I don't know where you are today. I don't know if you've got all the answers. I don't know if you've got it all figured out. I don't know if you, you have, every, you know, you and Jesus are so tight that you know every answer that he has for your life. But I want you to see that this person, these people who were there with the 11, that were doubting. And by the way, remember the story of the doubting Thomas, right? These people are the people that Jesus says to them, go and make disciples. Go and make disciples. Can you hear Thomas? But Lord, I didn't even believe till a minute ago. Go and make disciples. But I still have questions. Go and make disciples. Well, how do I do that? I don't have all the answers. Go and make disciples. My, my life's a mess. Go and make disciples. He didn't call the skilled and the gifted, the men who are wise of this world. He called those who are not as though they are. That's what the word says about us disciples. So he calls both those who worship and those who doubt. And he says, make disciples, make disciples. At the end of the day, the work is his. I want to show you the last thing. And this is going to be the final thought in this series of promise keeper that we have in Jesus Christ. The promise keeper that we have in God over our lives. I want you to look how this is done. If you have a red letter Bible, you'll see that the red letters start after verse, halfway through verse 18. How we do this work, this great commission, is never of our own power, of our own will, of our own decision. Jesus starts this great commission by saying, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Remember with me again that this is the one who was just raised from the dead. This isn't like a theory. This isn't like a thought. This isn't like an idea. This is the one who just overcame the grave, who showed that there is an eternity to live for, who showed that there is more to life than what we see, more to life than what we even believe. The resurrected Christ says, All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. This is a powerful statement that Jesus gives before he begins to tell his disciples what to do. I got news for you, disciples. Are you wore out yet? Are you tired? Good news is that all authority has been given to Jesus. All authority on heaven. All authority on earth is given to Christ our Lord. And he begins the statement that way. That way. And then it goes on to say, Therefore, because of this, for that reason, because I can do anything, not you and me, but because Jesus can do anything, we can go and make disciples. Even without all the answers, we can go and do that. I want you to see the end of the promise because this whole thing, the Great Commission, I think that for too many of us, we take it. Have you heard the Great Commission shared in the church? We don't even say the therefore. We leave that out. What's the Great Commission? Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey my ways. No. It's because of his promise that we can do it. 
If you're going to memorize the Great Commission, memorize the whole thing. All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that I've commanded. Look at the end of the verse. Look at the end of the text. Jesus says this to his disciples, the ones who must be thinking, man, I don't have a chance. Jesus is pulling this off. He says, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. The Great Commission does not begin with us and it certainly doesn't end with us. Thank God for that. Actually, one of my favorite words in here, Jesus says is, right there, it's not written, if you have an NIV, it's not in there, but right before the end, there's a behold. There's a look. There's a see, don't you see it yet, that all authority has been given to him and that he will never abandon us. You want to know why we have hope in Christ? Because he never quits. He never quits. He will never leave us or forsake us. He says, surely, absolutely, 100%, I am with you until the very end of the age. As a matter of fact, I, read it like, I rewrote it like this. It says, Jesus is with us, right? Jesus is able, we talked about that. Jesus is with us, but listen to this. Jesus is with us, here's what it says in the Word, each and every day, and this is what Jesus says, until the very end of forever, he doesn't even say, I'm with you until the, the beginning of forever. He says, I'm with you until the end of forever. The greatest gift that we have in Jesus' promise for us. It's the greatest, greatest, greatest gift. Because it's not tied to what we have or don't have. It's, it's not tied to what we see or don't see. It's not tied to what we know or don't know. It's tied to Jesus himself who gave it. It's tied to his name, church. And if we can't go and make disciples in his name, we can't go and make disciples for anything, and we shouldn't anyway. This long road home is walked with Jesus and so I have a question for you today, and I just want to ask its question, and I don't know, I pray that God may use it in your life, but I've been thinking a lot about, about relationships. I've been thinking about, a lot about what we expect in our lives. I remembered that whenever I was a young man and I, and I, was, I was courting Chris, she was beautiful. Beautiful. I loved her so much. But you know what? God gave me a gift to not see her when she was young and beautiful as the totality of who she was. God gave me a gift to see her as we could be at the end of the road, not the beginning. And I've shared it with you not because I want to brag about my marriage. I want to talk to you about what we have in Jesus Christ. Because too many of us see where we start with Jesus and say, man, we're never going to make it. I don't know why I even tried. And Jesus says this, there's a plan for the end. Look toward the end. 
Look not what's happening right now, but look at what I'm going to do. Don't you doubt for a minute, disciples, that when Jesus looks at you, he doesn't see you how you are right now. He sees you as you will be in him. And that, my friends, can let us take the journey together for a long time. And we can be very patient and forgiving with each other. Because God made a promise to draw us into his kingdom by the blood of his, our Savior and his son Jesus. And that we can make disciples with. I'm going to ask the worship team to come back up and lead us. I want to lead you in prayer this morning. And, and my prayer is just before God himself. So pray with me if you would. Father, this morning we, we do confess that we don't fully believe where you're calling us to go. That we don't see and we pray that we have eyes to know the unbelievable size of your love, the way that you're keeping your promises and all we seem to do is say, Lord, we're failing. Lord, we're failing. Jesus, may we be the kind of church that's about you. And we may, we, may we be the kind of Christian, the kind of little Christ that's about you. And Father, I pray today for grace and mercy in the hearts of all those who just beat themselves up. Who won't let themselves off the hook to even believe in you to even trust you. And I pray today, Father God, that you would have mercy in their souls that they could allow themselves to believe. May you be glorified for the work you're doing your people. We give you praise and glory. We know none of it were it not for your death on the cross. We thank you, Jesus, today. We pray that you would get the glory in Christ. Amen.